What's up, everyone? Trey Teo here on behalf of HamiltonMusician.com. Here with a very special guest ahead of his upcoming show at the Lincoln Alexander Theater. I'm here with Thomas Wade. How's it going, Thomas? Good. How's it going, Dre? I'm good, man. Excited to chat. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. My pleasure. First off, let's. I'm curious about getting a little deep into the whole theme of the upcoming show, um, A Voice Lost and Found. Uh, I know you had some time where you had lost your voice. Uh, what was that experience like? I know you battled dystonia, and how did you kind of recover and find the strength to get back on stage? Well, it's um, yeah, to say it's a long story is is a is a, an understatement. Um, but as close to a nutshell as I can get it, um, yes, I. I um, lost my voice in 2002 and to say that I lost my voice usually implies like a sore throat or some kind of laryngitis but it wasn't that it was this strange thing that no one could explain and then by 2005 I started not being able to speak um, clearly or you know sometimes at all and that was my mouth I couldn't form words so in 2006 I was diagnosed with dystonia with uh, oromandibular dystonia. And um, so I basically ended up with, um, all in all, something like 10 years uh, not being able to sing and uh, much of that time not being able to talk very well either. And, uh, you know, enough that certainly um, as a singer, I was I was done as of 2002. And then um, I'd also trained as an actor and I said, well, I could be an actor now, but that was out the window as of about 2005. So um, then I fell back to being a writer and a producer and stayed in music that way. Um, but then I later on after it was incurable, this disease apparently, which obviously it wasn't because listen to me flabbing, <laughs> uh, but uh, I had to just get educated. I had to learn everything I could learn about the nature of, the mind and nature of the brain and uh, I had to find a way to rebuild myself and uh, that's what I did and um, after after about you know being able to sing for about five years I started seriously working on building my abilities back up to what they were before I had to quit and uh, that culminated in a brand new record a brand new album called the blue country soul and that was just a celebration of being able to do the thing that i loved um you know i while i was going through dystonia i of course quit referring to myself as a singer thinking that uh you know i guess maybe i wasn't supposed to be a singer but i was still a writer and i was a producer and i was a lead guitar player for other people and and uh, but I was in denying myself. But why wouldn't I? You know, when you can't sing, why call yourself a singer? And uh, once I was able to build it back up to where I could record a record, then it was like I'm going to celebrate because it's just one of those things where you don't realize that uh, you could lose something that's precious to you at any given time with without any warning. And uh, I mean that that can translate to our relationships in our life, but I uh, lost something very precious to me, which was being a singer. 
not so much being a singer, but singing. You know, there's that difference. You know, if it was precious for me to be a singer, well, that sounds more like an ego thing. But if singing was precious to me, that's what brought me back to being a singer, I believe. That's what brought me back to to getting my voice back completely. It was acknowledging my love of this thing, that I, I loved it so much that I was willing to basically learn how to walk again as a singer. So, uh, and then culminating in this first, this show, April 29th, it's not the first show that I've done since I've been able to sing again, but it's, it's me bringing back, uh, coming back to that point that I was at doing the thing that I was best at, which was, I was really, my thing was soft seat, um, theaters, singing, sometimes you're rocking them, sometimes you're talking them, you make them laugh, and then you sing something beautiful, you make them cry. And uh, April 29th is about coming back to that, bringing back some old songs of mine that I haven't sang for years, um, because, you know, up to 2002, I had seven CCMA awards and three Juno nominations, and it just seemed like everything was going to keep going, and I was going to get the American deal. And uh, after that, I stopped doing those songs. So I'm back doing some of my oldest stuff. I'm doing my brand new stuff. And I'm also telling the story about what happened and then giving a little bit of a little bit of um, uh, detail as to what did I do to get better. Because, get, you know, understanding that was obviously incredibly useful to me in that I was able to go past a, a disease that's supposed to be incurable. So how useful is that to any person? Even if your problem is, well, I have stress or I have anxiety. You know, if you can learn, if you could learn how to, to, you know, regain a motor function that we all rely on, well, maybe you can learn how to enjoy life a little bit more too. So <laughs> there's a lot. How did, how did you battle? I'm sure that you had those days where, you were feeling down about things and were you a big, like was meditation a big process of it or was there certain practices that I'm kind of curious to just what exact steps you took because to be able to do what you did, I, I don't know if anyone's ever done it before, but I'm sure there's a small amount of people that there is. Yeah. Well, it, certainly trying to survive in those circumstances you know, I tend to look at it and kind of gloss over it myself um, until very recently. Um, I'm actually writing a book about this, and uh, I'm a good ways along in uh, writing this book. And it's like I, I didn't even experience it firsthand while it was going on. Uh, I did reach points where I was um, lower than low and about as low as you might expect someone to be if their entire reason to exist was gone. So if you can imagine how low that would make a person, um, I did get that low. But what kept me from going all the way was, I think I always just had this feeling, no matter what happened, I had this feeling that nothing is for nothing. I had a feeling that as long as I kept learning from life and I kept trying to grow and I refused to stop growing that something would come of this. And, 
so I spent a lot of time learning and I did, I got into yoga. Um, and you know, yoga starts out as a physical thing for people and, or they try to make it spiritual right away. I took, I let it be what it was. You know, first yoga is, you know, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> you want me to put what, where, you know, that's <laughs> how yoga starts. You know, you know, I'm a pretzel. Um, that's how it starts. But what then you breathe through it and it be, then you start finding the spiritual part of it, which is you find the silence. And when you find the silence and you stop, stop fighting it, that's when you start, you know, that's, that's when a deeper message starts coming in. And I'm, I believe firmly that this was sort of a, one part of me was working on something else. One part of me was, was working on shucking and jiving and, you know, just finding a way to stay alive in music and staying relevant and growing. And another part of me was going, you know, I, I know that I'm just leaving breadcrumbs for myself. This is what I'm doing. And I will find my way back. And that's, that's, that's kind of what happened. I mean, not that I ever thought while I was in the deepest part of this that I would ever be able to sing again. Um, Cause I, I didn't because it was that far gone that uh, I, I never, I didn't think about it, but I did spend a lot of time growing in spite of whatever was going on. And um, I, I believe that's totally the reason that I came through this. I think it's because life said, uh, okay, you, you know, put up or shut up. How bad do you want it? And uh, I, I refuse to, crawl into a bottle and I refused to give up and uh, I refused to shut up even though it was sometimes very difficult for people to listen to me in the studio. I, I had guys tell me recently that there were times they had no idea what the hell I was saying <laughs> in the studio giving direction and they're like, what did he just say? <laughs> so it was crazy. So now you're right. I mean, I, I did, I did have something, that I, that helped me through it. And I, you know, in a in broad sense, I know it sounds cheesy, but I, I really believe that really my love of music really helped me through it because it, it gave me something to, to seek. It gave me something to keep moving. You know, it was like, I just got over one mountain, you know, and I can't remember who says it, when when you're Glenn Ford, the actor said, when you're walk, climbing, you're you're up going up the mountain. You see the mountain. When you're coming down, you don't see anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that thing where you have to find something to focus on. So while I was coming down that mountain, I had to focus on something. So I'm I do believe that music ultimately was that, and uh, you know, music becomes something frivolous and wallpaper and a commodity. But the truth of it is, music is as undefinable and as essential to us as love is. So, and that sounds cheesy too, but I don't care. It's true. <laughs> no, man, I I totally connect with. I mean, you speaking about the passion of music, and as somebody who has dealt with anxiety and stuff like that, the studying things like consciousness and meditation really kind of helped me through those kind of different struggles. So, I really connect with that. I'm curious how 
those different experiences shaped your thought process with regards to songwriting? Because I don't know, I don't know if it, it changed or I can just imagine that learning how to kind of function with limited like vocal skills would maybe change the way you went about writing and creating music. Oh, it changed and it changed and it changed and it changed. Um, in accordance with what I was trying to do. And you would think that uh, going through something like that, where all of a sudden my vocal ability was, you know, where I'd written these songs that were incredibly complex and difficult to sing, which I'm learning now because I have to sing these damn songs again. <laughs> they wrote this crap. And uh, so you would think that it would go that way, that the melody would start going in the background and the lyric would come to the foreground. But that's not what happened. Um, what happened was that, um, first of all, lyrically, um, I got deeper and I, I got deeper because I decided, okay, I can't do this other thing, but damn it, I'm going to kick the ass of this, of this some other way. So I got into lyrics from a very literary point of view and, um, I became a much better lyricist. Um, and I was already, you know, known for that, but I, I just, I wanted to go as deep as I could and, uh, became more of a poet, shall we say. But then when it came to the melody, it was like, well, I can't sing the melody, but I can hear the melody. So I would start writing the melody on my guitar. So I would write the melody line. And I even, like as a producer, I taught people harmony parts. I did all kinds of stuff. I wasn't able to sing it that I play it on guitar and say, this is the part. And uh, that, that's kind of, so it ended up growing that way. It ended up, like it didn't um, slow me down at all as far as uh, my melody went. And I think that in spite of everything, I went, I went, uh, you know, I'm going to make this melody. I'm composing melodies now, which was actually better. Because when you're a singer, we we end up, there's a difference between melodies that are composed and melodies that are improvised. And when you have a great voice and you can sing the phone book, I don't think you try as hard. You don't think about the notes as much. You open your mouth and this thing comes out and it's beautiful. When you can't do that, then you start hearing how to make the melody, every note mean something. And that, so that happened with me, even though I couldn't sing at all. And, uh, and then for this last record, it sort of came full circle in that the music that helped me get my voice back was very old style music, music like, um, you know, old Elvis stuff and Sinatra is actually what I started with and Chet Baker and Nat King Cole and, you know, and then country guys like Jim Reeves and people with beautiful voices that are singing melodies that are composed. And uh, so I started doing that in this new record, basically, you know, people panic when they when they make a record. Well, we get a market to sing right now because it's going to be old in six months. This record sounds like it's from the 50s and the 60s now. So <laughs> I don't care. And that's my thing. I'm not making anything that has a shelf life, you know, that is like has a limited shelf life. Mm-hmm. It's like this, you know, if you can't last forever, I don't even want to bother with it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of what happened with my writing. And uh, what's going to happen next? Um, I feel another evolution on the horizon for my music. Um, 
because what's happening is I'm moving beyond market. Whereas there was a point in my life where my, my writing was to serve a market. And then when I stopped being able to sing, my writing started moving beyond that. And now that I'm going into more of a, um, you know, part of my music is for entertainment, but another aspect of what I do is about trying to spread the word about the power we all have within ourselves to help ourselves or to hurt ourselves. And I think that my music is going to head there. Um, I'm going to probably move into writing music that is somewhat inspirational, but I have a really sensitive cheese meter. So I'm never going to write something that's going to sound like it's, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. But you know how some inspirational music makes you go, okay, this is so obviously a message. It's too much. There's too much saccharine with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to me, it's like it's got to get into your bones like a Beatles song. Beatles music is inspirational, but you don't know that you're getting it, right? Yeah. It's right? like you and listen it, back to, like, Tomorrow Never Knows and all those songs, and they're just so intricate with sound, and then you actually go to the lyrics, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, they're saying yeah. a lot of really interesting things. Yeah, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Holy yeah, crap, exactly. can you say it better than that? <laughs> it should be a church of Beatles for God's sake. Yeah, I would go to that for sure. I would too. I'd be a so, religious fanatic. I definitely would too. With all of this, I'm curious where you stand with the idea of success because, I mean, you've you've won you've won a bunch of CCMAs. You've been nominated for Junos. You've you've written for some major artists. And I'm curious, where, was there a point where you're like, wow, this is success? Is it something you're always constantly chasing? Or where do you, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I didn't have time to even uh, think about that stuff when it was going on. When, when like from the time that uh, the record was finished, uh, the first one that uh, sort of jumped basically jumped on it, did a belly flop on the charts, like came out of nowhere. We had no label. We had nothing. And uh, our first single was went to 15. And uh, we had a video that was, I know it was top 10, first right out of the gate. And it was different than anything out there. And as soon as, as, soon as that happened, I mean, I was on the road, like constantly, right away. And, you know, when the um, first year of the CCMAs basically swept the uh, the independent awards, got every award that we were nominated for. And uh, and then in the general section, we were nominated for more awards than anyone, um, including Shania Twain, you know. So it was pretty heavy. But I, I'm the kind of person that I don't uh, – I'll go, oh, that's really cool. Thanks. Okay, now what? <laughs> Yeah. I'm not, I don't really like I love I loved getting recognized and it sure helps to be able to say, you know, it was sure useful when I was going through all that stuff to say, you know, it's my touchstone. No, no, no. I know that I actually did this, um, especially because those awards, the CCMAs, they've actually changed since the time when we won. When we won those awards. Um, for like for an independent single and song of the year, 
Um, it was purely spins. So there was no voting involved. And to me, that's winning an award right there. That was, yeah. that, that was it. And I, that's what I cared about. I don't care about being voted by anybody. I don't care about that crap. Um, to me, um, winning is um, bums in seats. Um, they're listening. I tell a joke. They laugh their asses off. I sing a song. They love it. I can feel them on the ride with me. Um, do I care about success now? What, to me, success is something different. To me, success will be if I'm able to to find people who want to come and fill a place that I'm singing and so I can give them something. That'll be success. Um, would I like to make a living at this again? Well, hell yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I was, I was made this way. I've been, I've been a musician. I've been, a you know, playing music live, um, for literally my entire life. I mean, I was on stage the first time with about six years old and, uh, I was playing regular gigs when I was 10. So this has been my life. So would it be right for me to make money at it? Of course it would. I've invested my life in it. I think that, uh, and, uh, you know, I've spent time getting really good at it. I think it'd be perfect for me to be able to focus on it by being able to make a living at it instead of just investing in it. Because let's face it, Making albums is a huge investment, and uh, spending hours and hours woodshedding on your instrument, even after you've been playing it for 50 years, um, that's worth something, too. We all got to get paid. <laughs> you got to eat at the end of the day. Sure. This is how we're made, right? Mm-hmm. My currency is, you know, of course, is is people enjoying music, but uh, without the currency that... Um, get your vegetables and your protein, <laughs> then it all goes away. So that's about, that's my thing. I want to, I want to reach more people. I want to travel again because I used to play this country from end to end. Um, there's nowhere I haven't played. Um, and I would love to get back to doing that and being in touch with people on a regular basis. And that would be success for me. Awesome, Thomas. I I really enjoyed just researching your, your story and everything you've done. Is truly, it's it's inspirational, and I love your whole mindset of everything above as, as good as your music is. I love the way that your mentality is towards life, and I really appreciate your time, man. My pleasure. I, I really appreciate uh, talking to you, and I, I really enjoyed getting to know you the other night. So Yeah, awesome. it, was, it was a lot of fun. And I really look forward to seeing your show on the 29th at the Lincoln Alexander Theater. I believe it starts at 8 p.m. Yes, 8 p.m. That's right. I, I will definitely be there. Oh, and that'd be awesome. I encourage everyone listening to this to also check out your album, Blue Country Soul. And uh, for more details, they can check out thomasways.com. That's right. And is there a ticket for the door as well? Tickets at the door and also available on something called Ticketfly. Cool. .com. Cool. Awesome, Thomas. Thank you so much for your time. Thank um, you, Dre. I, I wish you continued success and uh, look forward to connecting in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much.